Getting you ready for the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine, Matt Williamson's top five prospects by position today, breaking down running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Thanks for making us your first listen right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. We're getting into Matt's top fives. Pre-combine, Matt will be on the road to Indianapolis next week. It might affect our scheduling a little bit, by the way, with uh, when we release our Peacock and Williamson podcast. But I'm excited to see the inside and, and get the, the dirt from Williamson, who's going to be in the building. We get a real combine again, Matt, and there's no bubbles happening or anything like that, apparently, yeah. which has been squashed. So that's good news. I'm always excited to see your uh, your rankings, too. So we teased it yesterday. I guess we got to start off with some running backs today. First of all, I will pull back the curtain since my Steelers took Najee Harris last year. This is the position I've paid the least attention to, but Steelers.com wants to do a top five. So I dug in just like any other position. It was just late on my agenda and draft prep. Um, and that kind of works though, because it's not a very dynamic class. I mean, for, I don't think there's any chance that anyone goes in the top in, in the first round. That, I think that goes without saying. I'm not sure any go in the top 50. Like, I would rather have Javante Williams than any of these guys as a prospect, and certainly mm -hmm. Harris as well, both of whom I liked a lot coming out. Um, we have covered a lot of these guys and talk about it a lot on Locked On Dynasty. I urge you to check that out, too. We've done some singular profiles of these guys. But I have five listed here at the top. Um, I'm going to kind of make it six, though, with Notre Dame's Kyron Williams. He just missed for me. He's a smaller guy, but he's really good in protection, and he's not afraid to get his jersey dirty and do the dirty work and stick his nose in in protection and blocking and put his head down. But he's smaller, and he's a, a specialty-type weapon. I'm open to the idea, though, and this is going to really overshoot what he will really become, but maybe he's Austin Eckler, you know, because he'll run between the tackles and he'll pinball a little bit. He has some power to him, and he's coming from a big school and has gotten, you know, he's played against some good dudes. So Kyron Williams, I think, is a really intriguing guy that didn't quite make my list. So important for a running back to get on the field early in their NFL career to be able to pass protect. So uh, I love hearing yeah. that, and that might be the strength of this class is those guys that maybe you can get on early day three uh, and, you know, late day two. Mm -hmm. And judging by your mock draft, there's not any first-round running backs this year. And so I don't no. know if that's because of the class or because teams are smartening up and, and it might not be spending those picks. But um, I think it's probably the former because it's clear the teams are still willing to, to spend first-round picks on running backs. Um, Michael Carter comparison from last year's class? Not bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Michael Carter, I didn't like – 365 days ago. And really, I didn't love him when the Jets took him. But he was better than I thought. I mean, he was really good in PFF's um, elusiveness rankings and broken tackles. And elusiveness is a little bit of a, a misnomer because guys like Jerome Bettis were good at elusiveness because they run people over. You know, I mean, 
David Montgomery's good in their elusiveness. So making yards on his own, I didn't think Carter was able to do that as well as he was with the Jets. So I'm kind of impressed with him. And again, will you, that's kind of the lesser version of Austin Eckler. So I like that. I mean, I, I think that's a real good comparison. Yeah, and if you get a running back that can come in and, and he can pass protect and he can play for you early and, and impact the game in the you know in the passing game, maybe some special teams, then I'm all yeah. for it. That's uh, that's the type of running back I'm looking for this day and age. And you started the list off here with a couple of sub 200 pounders. Kyron Williams just outside of your top five, and then James Cook out of Georgia is your number five. Dalvin Cook's brother. I mean, that's the claim to fame. And what's interesting with, with Cook is I haven't seen anyone else have him this high, but I had you in mind when I thought about him because he's a great receiver, like lines up wide, lines up in the slot. And I thought, is he the upside down version of Debo Samuel? Oh, the running back first, but also can play wide receiver. I thought you were going to say right. he was extremely handsome. That's why he reminded <laughs> you of me. Very uh, but now I see where you're looking, going with this. Right. Okay, yeah, the re- the reverse Debo. I like that. There's going to be a lot of teams forcing themselves into some Debo Samuel-ish picks this year. And and I've already heard the next Debo about 10 different prospects this year. Uh, the key to being the next Debo and the key to drafting a really good versatile player is making sure they're good at both the things you're trying to ask them to do instead of being mediocre at both things and you get a tweener instead of a versatile piece. So uh, that's your first key if you are if you guys out there are looking for the next Debo. We'll see if James Cook is that. you think he can be a legitimate running back and a legitimate receiver? Again, it, what worries me actually is the running back part. <laughs> and he's a running wow. back. I mean, like, he's got a thin lower body. Like, I would not want to give him numerous carries between the tackles. Like, I would rather give Kyron Williams from Notre Dame those those carries than Cook. But he is a running back at Georgia and has done very traditional running back things. But power and lower body strength are really his weaknesses. Now we got some thicker bodies coming in at number four through number one on your list here. 220-pounder built low to the ground, too, at 5'9 in Damian Pierce out of Florida at number four. I love this dude and hardly used at Florida. (laughs) So, oh, great, Matt. I mean, he's never had more than 106 carries in a year at Florida. It wouldn't shock me. I haven't studied the Florida Gators, but do they have some freshman that's going to be a first-round pick two years from now or something? That's possible. That would explain why you didn't lean on this guy. And running backs are hard to evaluate the senior bowl, but I thought he was really impressive there. Tackle breaker, kind of, I mentioned David Montgomery earlier. I think he has some of those type qualities. Real old school pinball guy, very difficult to get on the ground. Powerful, short, you know, thickly built, bowling ball to butcher's knives type of guy. Uh, but just wasn't used a ton in Florida. But the the re, the receiving game stuff wasn't part of his game all that much at Florida. But he looked really good doing it at the Senior Bowl. So, I gave him the benefit of the doubt there in a weak quarter, weak running back class. Yeah, we'll see what that 40 time looks like, and it's always fun to see the running backs run, and we'll see what they all mm-hmm. look like together and cutting and running and catching the ball in those drills, and, and 40 times are always fun there. And it's sounding like so far a lot of running backs that might be in the value category more so than running backs that teams are fighting to go draft on day two. I 100% agree. Um, these next three everyone seems to have as the top three and by no means are any of them Saquon Barkley coming out of school, but you could make a case, I think for all three to be, you know, the first running back taken, depending what you're looking for. Again, I'd rather have Javante Williams or Najee Harris from last year than any of them. 
Um, they're going to be high dynasty picks. I'm not enamored with any of them, to be very honest. But they're all these three are the ones that might be fantasy relevant, getting a lot of touches as rookies, potentially a bell cow type guy for the next level. Running backs that teams might be drafting and thinking, okay, we have an early career, maybe even year one starter. And uh, number yeah. three for you is Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. Yeah, and he's been on all the lists for a while now. I mean, he's good-sized, um, has some explosion, uh, good vision, productive. You know, But last year they had the best offensive line in the league, and they're going to have another first-round pick off their offensive line. And there's times that he'll stop his feet and kind of – look for daylight instead of, you know, just taking what's there. And I don't love backs that are built like him. I like the 225 part, but he's 6'1", and he's a little bit high-waisted for me. You know, you'll see him get knocked down from, you know, shots to the knees and thighs that aren't, you know, crushing blows. So I see what people like, but I think he's a low-end starter, which is probably true for all three of these guys, but he's probably a starter. And if you're going to have some height to you as a running back, you should have some breakaway speed because I, I mm-hmm. tend to like my running backs built a little lower to the ground. And right. I don't want as much surface area for guys to be able to hit. He's got a lot of lower body surface area. Kenneth Walker, your number two running back out of Michigan State, has much less to hit at 5'10", 210 pounds. Really? I mean, he was a Heisman finalist. I mean, he had a great year for the Spartans. And one of the guys, his name's Mike Pursuta, that I put the, that I do these triple takes for the Steelers with, is a Michigan State guy and loves you know, an alumni and loves it, and really just said, and he's one hundred percent right. Walker just put the Spartans on his back all year. I mean, he was the offense; everyone was keying on him, and he's very impressive. But he does nothing in the passing game. He doesn't want to protect. They don't throw him the football, so. Is he Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry level runner? I mean, no, nobody is. But he's definitely the best old school hand him the ball back in this draft. And if it, you know, one thing I wrote about him was, or maybe I said on the air, or if this was 1985, he's a top 10 yeah. pick. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's interesting because does is he such a good natural runner that a team won't care in this day and age and will pair him with another back who can do those things and treat him like a Chubb or treat him like a, a Derrick Henry or can he develop mm-hmm. some of the pass-catching traits potentially uh, as he moves along. He doesn't look interested as a protector, right. I'll tell you that. And, yeah, <laughs> and if you don't want to pass-protect, that's the quickest mm-hmm. way to get in your, uh, your coach's doghouse, that's for sure. Right, right. But, I mean, boy, he's a good ball carrier with all the traits you look for, but... If he had anything in the passing game, I mean, maybe he can develop into a Leonard Fournette. Like I wasn't impressed with Fournette as a as a receiver coming out of LSU, mm-hmm. but he developed into a forty catch a year type of guy. That's what he needs to be, but he isn't there now at all. And it's looking more and more like Brees Hall out of Ohio or Iowa State, who is your number one, is becoming the consensus number one in this class. Yeah, and he's good. I mean, he really is. He's he's a well rounded prospect. He's got light feet, um, very productive, soft hands, capable route runner, but none of these top guys are Kamara or McCaffrey, that's for sure, in terms of you know being able to a- affect the passing game. But he'll probably catch 40 balls a year, something like that. Um, he was another one that really was the entire offense, really poor run blocking. 
but he has a lot of wear and tear off his body at this point too. I mean, 590 touches over the past two years, and that's the most in all of college football over the past two years. You know, one of the arguments about drafting these guys high is they don't last long and they break down. Well, he he probably is a little more apt to do that than others. Well, if you subscribe to my theory of not giving them their second contract anyway, you only need four more years out of them. So if you yeah, get that out of day out of two yeah. running back, then you might be in good shape if he's uh, the best all-around back in this class. Yeah, but I don't think he's special. I mean, I think he's a really good player, a great college player, very little downside to him. But, I mean, valuing that versus the Michigan State dude is interesting to me. I mean, which team would prefer the other, you know? That is Matt Williamson's top five running backs heading into the 2022 scouting combine. If you think he's wrong, hit him up on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. And let's move on to some other skill position, guys. Let's do pass catchers coming up next. Football season might be over, but that doesn't mean that's the end of your ability to bet on the NFL. There are Super Bowl futures, NFL draft props, more and more NFL draft props coming as we get closer to April. And oh yeah, basketball season in full steam, both pro and college hoops. The NCAA tournament is coming up, which is always fun to wager on the latest odds, totals, player performance props, where you find the next fired coach betonline.net the number one spot for all your sports betting needs betonline remains the best spot for all your sports scores and news this season it's not just about basketball or football betonline has hockey boxing ufc lines olympic coverage was great at betonline and your favorite vegas casino games as well poker blackjack yeah you got it at betonline.net. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and all the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. The pass catching tight ends, maybe some blocking tight ends as well. I know it's not a, a great tight end class here, and I'm a little bit behind when it comes to tight ends. You were talking about, Matt, that running backs was one of the last positions you started looking at closely. For me, it's been tight ends this year, and I've only really watched one, Trey McBride, and he seems to be everyone's favorite. That's why I started there. We'll see if he's your favorite as well, but who comes, comes in number five on your list for the top five tight ends in this class? Yeah, real quick, here's my overview. I mean, of course there's no Kyle Pitts, but there's nobody even close. Frankly, I would have Fryermuth number one, easily in this group, too. So the star power at tight end isn't really there for me. However, when three of us did our top five favorites, we came up with like eight or nine different names. So I think a lot of starters, a lot of quality players will come out of this draft at the tight end position. Mm. So it's deep, but not top-heavy. I'm seeing... I don't, I don't know if this is a trend that's going to continue, if it's just this class um, and or just the way that college football is going, but, man, tight ends are getting lighter and lighter, just like linebackers are, right? Is this uh, yeah, is this a yeah. coincidence, or is this just the way things are going? seems like teams are going to have a harder time trying to find uh, tight ends who can also block a little bit, who can be valuable in the passing game at the same time. Without question. you know, I mean, that brings me to my number five guy, Isaiah Likely, Coastal Carolina. Super productive, fast. Big plays, but he's an old school H back. You know, I mean, he's a move guy. He's going to be detached from the formation probably as much as he is in line. Um, very easy mover, really good hands, but he's not for everyone either. You know, I mean, how much value do you put on that type of player? I mean, he'll block, but he's not great at it, that's for sure. 
I'm looking at your number four tight end, Kate Otten, out of Washington, 6'5", 238. I mean, that's Mike Evans. It is. I bet he's heavier than that at the combine, though. I mean, he looks heavier than that. He carries his weight you know, better than that. So I'm not sure that number for pounds is correct. We'll see. Um, but he is tall, lean. And you would think, you know, the Mike Evans, DK Metcalf, whatever comparison – but he will block. He sinks his hips pretty well. He he's, takes pride in it, obviously, because he uses his hands and has technique that most tight ends coming out don't. So I think he's plug and play probably as a number two tight end. Reliable, not real flashy. You know, he's, he's, I mean, he's fine, but he looks like he's not a difference maker. I mean, I'm not sure any of these guys are difference makers. Yeah, I'm sure coaches are going to be looking at these tight ends and are like, okay, let's see how you run, sure, but let's see you weigh in instead of 238. Let's see, you know, 250 would look real nice, and maybe let's right, watch right. that. Uh, let's see how many uh, reps you do at the bench press, uh, even though that's probably not the most telling thing. But let's make sure you've put some time in the in the weight room and you are going to not just end up flat on your back anytime that you uh, have to block a, a defensive end, which you will if you're a tight end of the NFL at some point, unless you're just completely detached all the time. Yeah, and I think Otten, our number fourth guy, has a much better chance to be that type, maybe 250-plus, than likely the the dude from Coastal Carolina, who's a big receiver, basically. A little more. Number three is kind of my favorite. Though. Yeah, a little more weight here. Jeremy Ruckert yeah. of Ohio State, 6'5", 250 is what he's listed. And he looks it. I mean, he kind of looks like maybe he could play Thor on TV. I mean, like he's a built well, you know, looks the part to say the least. I think he was like the top recruited country you know, tight end in the country. He goes to Ohio State. He will block. He is nasty. He's very athletic. But they never threw him the ball because they had Chris Olave and Wilson and this other underclassman who's a stud. Like, go look at Jeremy Ruckert's highlight tapes on YouTube, and you'll be done in like a minute and a half. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I mean, any other school would be like why aren't you throwing him the ball all the time? So maybe he's a better pro than college player. I like that. You're speaking my language now. Uh, the guy mm-hmm. that can block that might be able to give you more in uh, in the pros than he did in college. How about number two, Jalen Weidermeyer out of Texas A&M, 6'5", 255. little mixed feelings on him, too, because I mean, he was – the top of these lists before season started, you know, I mean, he's a name I've heard for a long time and he's looks apart in a big way. I mean, the joke you like, you know, the, the, the nice frame, the long arms, very smooth mover, but he's not real twitchy. You know I mean? He's kind of takes a little while smooth rather than, you know, explosive. Um, you can put him as an inline Y and he's fine there. He has a very impressive highlight tape, but he also has a lot of drops, particularly this past year. I don't quite know what to think of him. I, I don't. I see bust potential there. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, and, yeah, and that's yeah. your number two tight end. And it sounds like there's a guy that's more body beautiful than he is just a, a pure, uh, a pure ball player, a pure, fo- mm-hmm. a pure football player at this point. And you know, obviously, the, that never means that that's not what a player could develop into. And and you want to have some traits to develop, but. Um, again, uh, it just kind of goes to show. There's a this. lot of ability. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people will like him, but it, I'm I'm guessing. But if Weidermeyer's going late second and Ruckert from Ohio State's going early fourth, I'm definitely taking Ruckert. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, Trey McBride, Colorado State, 6'5", 
6'3 and an eighth, 249. Not the biggest guy, but moves around well and yeah. is just a, a – he's the opposite sort of, right? He's just a, he's a natural athlete, natural playmaker and football player, and he, he constantly made plays at Colorado State, and that's why he's the number one tight end in this class, even though he might not be the height, weight, speed demon that you're looking for in a first-round tight end. 100%. He caught 90 passes. I mean, tight ends don't usually catch 90 passes. Won the John Mackey Award as the best tight end in, the, in, the, in college football. Everyone in the world knew they were throwing to him, and it didn't matter. So, yes, I mean, I think he'll be the personal protector on the punt team. You know, like, I think he'll contribute a lot of ways. He will certainly block, but he's just over 6'3", and he doesn't have long arms. And of those 90 catches, I mean, I'm guessing and I'm probably exaggerating, 80 of them seem like they were contested. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't break free or get a lot of separation. And he plays big. He's great in contested situations. But Colorado State's a little different than playing the Ravens in those situations. Yeah, so would someone like, uh, you know, and obviously not as a projection, it's hard to project somebody to be as good as someone like Travis Kelsey, but is that the mold that you're trying to get if you're drafting Trey McBride, or is he a different beast altogether? Much better blocker than Kelsey ever was. You know, more willing, more physical, doing the dirty work. And I don't think he runs like Kelsey. I mean, you you hit Kelsey in stride, and he starts opening up those steps. I mean, forget about it. So Kelsey's way more talented. Yeah, and, and Kelsey can separate, too. Yeah, yeah, right. There's but the he's t- a good player. I mean, I bet somebody's going to really like him. Uh, we're talking about second-round tight end? Are we talking about maybe a late one? It would shock me if he gets in late one, but I've seen him mocked there from time to time. He would not be in my top 32 players, though. I know that much. Unless... He goes crazy in Indianapolis, and we'll get those reports next week from Matt Williamson, who's going to be at Indy. Let's move on to wide receivers next. Matt Williamson's top five wide receivers in the NFL draft heading into the scouting combine. All right, Matt, on to wide receivers, another really good class of receivers. I don't know how difficult it was for you to narrow down your top five or decide who number one was going to be. It seems like uh, there's a, there's many names I see often in the first round of Mox Rass, but they're always in a different order. How do you see these top five wide receivers in the NFL draft? I can certainly see that. Uh, as always, there's going to be a lot of high-quality day two guys. This is a deep receiver draft. There's all shapes and sizes. Uh, rinse, repeat. I'm sure next year will be two and the year after and all the way down the road. Um, and, and there are some good ones, but I thought the top five were pretty clear. I had a really hard time sorting out the order of the top five, though. Chris Olave has been on the radar for a while. It was thought maybe he would be the number one receiver in this class going into the 2021 season, and his own teammate might have passed him up. We'll see where Garrett Wilson shows up on your list. I have a feeling he's also going to be in the top five from Ohio State. A little over six feet, 188 pounds, not the biggest guy, but uh, you know, if you want an outside receiver that can uh, get deep down the field and, and get open and make some big plays, then Olave's your guy. 100%. And I heard he's going to go crazy at the Combine, which I actually I heard that after I turned this in. The people were talking about he's a guaranteed you know, sub 4-4, four, four, and we'll see. I mean, it's short. It, it does show up on tape. I didn't think he'd be that fast, but he is a little smaller, um, very well-rounded, a lot of experience. It seems like he's been around forever, as you mentioned, but kind of took a backseat as the season went on to Wilson. And I think Alave is good at everything, but I don't think he's a number one at the next level. Like, 
I keep picturing him in Green Bay next to Devontae Adams. You know, like, he would be great, you know. Uh, but if he's asked to be the number one for a team, I think he's not quite to that level. Chris Olave, wide receiver five. Who is your wide receiver four, Matt? Yeah, you mentioned uh, Mike Evans before. And Drake London from USC is that mold. And if he's the first receiver taken, I would 100% understand it. He's not super twitchy coming out of his breaks, but he does it pretty well for a 6'5 guy. Um, pretty dominant, to be very honest with you. I, I don't know that he'll run well. I don't know that I care. Um, very productive, kind of a build-up speed guy, but um, well-rounded. It's pretty obvious that he had a basketball background, too. I mean, mm -hmm. you see that right away. Yeah, basketball build, 6'5", 210. I saw an interesting uh, statistic recently, and I wish I could attribute it to the right person on Twitter. It was a, it was a fantasy writer who was talking about uh, a certain build at wide receiver. And I believe they're talking specifically about Drake London and how they felt about him as a prospect. And mm -hmm. that, that build has not worked out well in the NFL. And you have to go back mm -hmm. to AJ green to find a wide receiver who was under two fifteen but was over six, four that had success in the league. And oh, wow. that uh, makes some sense. most most of the bigger wide receivers that have success are also heavier, you know, like Mike Evans, you know, 225, 200. Mike Evans, was like 230, I think, coming out of school yeah, yeah. and um, or, you know, smaller wide receivers that are lighter that that move really well. So that's an interesting red flag for Drake London. I hadn't really thought about it. And it's maybe it's a little arbitrary because you have someone like T Higgins, who's just under six, four. And he was just under 215, and he's been a success in the league, you know. So the, your mileage may vary there, and you still have to use your eyes and scout these players. But yeah, 6'5, 210 is not traditionally been a successful body type in the NFL recently. That's really interesting, and I could see why that would translate. You know, you get bullied at the line of scrimmage because you're kind of not powerful enough for you, and you give a lot of, uh, you know, chest to hit that the, it, for man coverage. And a lot of those guys don't drop their hips and come out of their breaks real well and have the quickness. But I do think stylistically, he reminds me more of Evans than AJ green. And this six, five, two, 10 is a very generic. This might even be in the program at USC. I mean, so maybe he weighs in at two twenty. Yeah. He might be six, might, three and a half, yeah. two twenty. <laughs> right. Next right, week right. When he shows up at the combine too. Yeah. So I'm curious what his height and height and weight really are. Number three, Jameson Williams. I know there's a question about his health. Uh, late season, yeah. uh, torn ACL, I believe it was, right? Uh, and that, I mean, that happened last month. So his rookie right. season is going National to be in doubt. And he might have been wide receiver one in this class. And you know, he's a thin guy, but he's got athleticism. Interesting prospect. And really, which teams feel okay about his medical will be the team that drafts him and probably gets him in the late round one. And if he becomes the guy that he, uh, that he sh could be and does heal from that, then maybe a team gets a steal late in the first round. Yeah, I keep thinking of him with a team like the Raiders or Kansas City that might not need him until Thanksgiving or so and has the job security to wait on him because I think he would be the number one if he was clean wide receiver in this draft. I don't take it as a red flag, but I think it's something you got to bring up that he transferred out of Ohio State because those guys that are going to get drafted this year were – ahead of him on the depth chart, but he went to Bama. So yeah. it wasn't like he beat out a bunch of losers, you know, but you know, Judy was gone and rugs were gone and those guys. So he filled in right away. He is so fast. I mean, as a six, two guy, he's, I don't want to say he's an Olympic sprinter because that sells Olympic sprinters too short, but he has 
that kind of long speed. And as you would imagine from a Nick Saban guy, he's tough. Like he runs down on punts and, and I mean, he's, he's got some physicality to him, but he's tall and lean. That is an interesting point. Maybe he ended up in a better spot at Alabama. And if he couldn't beat out Olave and Garrett Wilson, it's hard to have him ahead of those guys on your draft boards. That's an interesting yeah. uh, thing. I didn't really even think about that because I knew he transferred, but I didn't think about why or the other players he transferred to get away from and get a, get mm-hmm. in front of on the depth chart. So Jameson Williams uh, is an interesting evaluation. If he makes it to the top of the second round, he is a Trent Balky special torn ACL for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, I'm just, I'm there just, you go. I'm just gonna. Maybe they'll uh, trade up for him. Yeah, I'm gonna plant my flag there. If if he gets anywhere near the Jaguars, that's who's gonna select Jameson Williams. All right, <laughs> number two on your list is Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Big body dude. Uh, he's another player that's getting those Debo Samuel comparisons. He's six two, six three, two hundred and thirty two pounds. He can run with the ball in his hands. He's big and powerful and isn't afraid to be physical as well. So a six two Debo Samuel is kind of scary, man. He is, and I, I see that comparison. He will certainly get carries in one way, shape, or form at the next level. Um, really rocked up, great after the catch, physical. In a way, I just kind of thought of this comparison as you were talking there. He's almost a mix of A.J. Brown and LaVisca Chenault. You know, like, mm. not as refined wide receiver as Brown, who I think is a total superstar. But both those guys, all three of them, look the part. They're all very physically gifted. Burks could easily go one in this class. I've seen a lot more of Traylon Burks recently getting higher and higher and higher and sneaking up and sneaking up. I think he's creating a lot of fans, and we'll see what that body type actually is and see how all these guys run at the combine, and that might seal it for Burks if he's able to throw down a really good 40. Yep, and... A lot of that is because position coaches are now involved, and they look at this guy and be like, "Oh, I'll coach him." Yeah, and and seeing <laughs> success of of AJ Brown and Debo Samuel probably just gets them even more excited. It's like, yes, I want one of those physical monster receivers that we can get the ball in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, you can hit him on a slant, and he'll shrug off a hundred ninety pound corner and run away from everybody else. I mean, it, it, and side note, I keep mentioning the dynasty stuff. Right now, he's the the dynasty rookie first pick overall. You know, right now, oh, consensus wow. number one. Yeah, ahead of all the backs, tight ends. You know, and even ahead of your number one receiver, the other Ohio State receiver, Garrett Wilson, who's similar height and weight to his teammate Chris Olavi, but a little bit different skill set. Plays above the rim more. Uh, I think he's more dynamic. Um, his highlight tape is wow. You know, I urge you to go YouTube Garrett Wilson highlights or wherever you find your highlights. And you'll be like, why is he not number one on everyone's board? Cause he has highlight real tape, you know, catches left and right. Um, he's not huge though. I've heard, I've heard that he won't run as well as a lave, you know, he's more of a smooth explosive guy, but not straight line burner. Um, if he works out, I mean, these are high praises, but I think he's kind of in that Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, you know what I mean, where he could be a number one where he attacks all levels of the field, but not huge, you know, not the, the uh, 4-2 guy. Diggs is an elite route runner, and Wilson's a very raw route runner. Mm. But if he dedicates himself to route running, which yep. is something you can learn, he could be a top five receiver like Diggs. 
And that's the key with all these receivers, right? Yeah. Uh, how how bad do they want it? Uh, you have to win dirty in the NFL as a receiver. You know, same with like a pass rusher. You don't just get like in college. You don't just get to out athlete everybody and run around the corner all day as a pass rusher. You've got to learn moves. You've got to learn tendencies. You've got to hit the film room. And for a wide receiver, it's the same thing. If you're just going to be an athlete, you're not going to out athlete people like you did in high school and college anymore and you've got to be able to win dirty you got to win through contact you got to win off the line of scrimmage you've got to run routes at the at the right depth and all of those things but um it's a lot easier when you have all those tools at your disposal right and if you're wired the the correct way that's where you see the the great ones really develop at wide receiver in the nfl yeah yeah and this class is very interesting combine will be really interesting in of course their numbers but even like the gauntlet drill will be interesting for me in this one because just seeing the, the same guy or a different guy run the same drill one after another, after a number in assembly line fashion. I think some guys will start to stand out a little more. I've got questions for you that we can't get into on today's show, but maybe we'll preview the, the combine a little bit more on tomorrow's episode. And we'll start looking a little bit more at the trenches, maybe the defensive side of the ball with your top fives as well, Matt. But uh, there was some talk with all the bubble and stuff this week that maybe some of the combine is even outdated and that teams could possibly learn more from pro days and certainly mm. from film and that there's not all that much to gain from the combine. I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I do disagree in some ways, but I understand why some people would think it is outdated and think it's an archaic idea, a cattle call of bringing all these prospects in and, and poking them and prodding them and, and having them all work out in a foreign environment. But I think that's also where the value lies. We don't have time to get into that today, Matt, but but think on that. Let's talk okay. a little bit about that tomorrow, any of the latest news that is popping up before the weekend, and some more of Matt Williamson's Top 5. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For your second listen, check out Matt doing the Locked On Dynasty podcast. There's a Locked On NFL Draft pod with Eric Crocker and Ryan Tracy going on every day through draft season and every day in the offseason as well. So you're going to want to tune into that as we get closer to the NFL Draft. And Matt and I will be back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.